you know, Stalin and the Nazis were these welfare state types. Uh, One of us is a stand-up comic. Can you tell who it is, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Peckerwood Brick. Um. <laughs> but the problem. <laughs> Oh my god, that's like, I could use that to teach the whole arc. Do we have any kind of archaeological evidence, any kind of, any kind of other corroborating evidence? fun of getting to take my four and a half year old son to a dentist's appointment for the first time since the start of COVID today. And um, I have to say, I have very mixed emotions about the entire thing. Um, he did great. He was a total trooper through the whole thing. He never got anxious or, or apprehensive uh, during the entire thing. He was fine with the uh, dental hygienist, the dental assistant, uh, you know, uh, examining his mouth and doing all that stuff. Um, so he he did great. It's simultaneously, I feel like a failure as a parent because we found out he has the beginnings of four cavities. And uh, so we're going to have to double down on the brushing uh, regimen. And because we've been dealing, we've been brushing his teeth like every night. Like it's, it's a thing where we've been very good about it. And then we find out he has four cavities. And personally, I didn't develop any cavities until I was an adult. I, I was blessed with very strong enamel. And so he apparently did not inherit that particular trait. And mm. so this is like, wait, he's four and he already has cavities. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm a failure as a father. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so I'm wrestling with that. How are you doing? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a high school Latin and U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and uh, I'm doing fine. I, I have children who have, at least one of them has had cavities, and it's just the bad genetics of having my my mouth in their mom's face. Like, when you have that much crammed into that little... You're going to have stuff on top of each other, and that's a great place for bacteria. So I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't feel too terribly bad about that. And besides, the, he gets two sets of teeth. The next set he can be better with. Okay, uh, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll take that. That'll work. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Um, as of this recording, uh, the family harmony is fully vaxxed, fully boosted as hard as we can, <clears throat> uh, just in time for RSV to start making its way <laughs> through all the populations. Gotta love it. 
Uh, it's good times. It. What a time to be a virus. So, uh, but yeah, we are fully vaxxed and boosted, and I'm 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 quite happy about that. I can breathe a little bit easier about that. Uh, we could e- even see some family members who uh, don't necessarily vaccinate, um, and I will be less worried about giving them anything that could kill them. So, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? We have a guest tonight because there are a few oh. topics that we know next to nothing about. This um, is true. And I don't feel like doing all that research. Instead, I, I call upon people who already know this stuff. So, okay, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Stop. You, sure. yeah. sir, Mr. 32 pages on, on V. You, so you 99 don't... pages on V, 32 pages on Ace of Base. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, I should. I should remember <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. Mr. 100 pages of quote notes unquote on yeah. v yeah. you don't want to do that research okay uh, well i I'm don't know just... where to start on that okay oh yeah. that okay. see that's fair yeah that's fair all right so. cool so um yeah in, by all means what 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 are we going to learn about tonight and introduce our guest yeah uh jason actually why don't you introduce yourself as best you like um and tell us about yourself uh i'm i'm jason uh I'm a uh, somewhat of a comedian and a voice actor and a handyman and a brewer and a baker and a candlestick maker. So a Renaissance man. I didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't deny it. There we go. So, all right. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Proletariat Renaissance man. (laughs) Nice. Uh, so Jason, a juxtaposition you, there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, so you know uh, a lot about uh, a thing that we know very little about. Um, and so you were gracious enough to come on here, uh, and you're going to teach us about punk music. Is that correct? Yeah, Sweet. yeah. There's there's a lot to dive into. There's a lot of specific genre and uh, some more prominent than others. But yeah, yeah, I know quite a bit about that. Uh, that thing i spent way too much of my youth being into that <laughs> all right I'm, okay. I'm really excited about this this is gonna be cool yeah uh i i know next to nothing about punk because i've never cared that much about music in general um and i know that ed uh knows next to nothing about, about punk because he's a square so, okay yes yeah. yes that's fair that's yeah. fair okay. to say cool so, cool so you have two know nothings yeah. who who only know about the history so well, I think uh, I'm trying to a good starting point that everyone probably knows about is like Iggy Pop, right? We are all aware of Iggy Pop, right? He was on Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, he uh, yeah. he was one of the uh, guys that was hunting down Quark and his band of Ferengi, as I recall. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were yeah. Um, for the Dominion in Deep Space. Okay. Night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah he also did other a musician. Stuff. Also oh. a musician. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Guy yeah. in the seventies oh. had a group okay. called Iggy yeah. and the Stooges. Uh, and arguably, actually, 1969 was when they put out their breakout album, Raw Power. Okay. And okay, uh, this cool. was kind of before punk rock. But uh, this was a time when pop pop music of any kind, whether it was rock or easy listening or jazz, was dominated by popular produced artists from corporate record labels. Mm-hmm. And then guys like Iggy Pop came out in the New York City scene. Um, kind of in the rock and roll scene and just kind of did whatever the fuck they wanted musically. Um, and the whole hippie movement was kind of coming to a wind down and nothing was replacing it. Right. And people like Iggy Pop and, uh, you know, like the Sex Pistols kind of copied him too. 
okay. were just angry and pissed off as a reaction to this hippie culture that they saw as complacent and boring, you know? Kind of bourgeois too, right? Yeah. Like just, yeah, and, they're middle-class kids who are just dipping their toe in and then, then they yeah. can go get the corporate job. And when you see like, um, you had bands like, like Iggy and the Stooges or MC5 in the late 60s and then the 70s, um, kind of started that spirit of punk rock and then at the same time in England in the late 70s, you had the economy was in the shitter. And all the yes. young people were pissed off and angry and half of them were destitute or or did crime for a living. Mm -hmm. And so you had this guy who was a fashion designer named Malcolm McLaren, who was his he was trying to combine avant-garde art with fashion. And he combined like tried to make bondage gear, street street wear. And so he kind of pioneered the punk look. Okay, and we're talking but, like suspenders or that kind of like, stripped down look or what? Like, uh, like wearing leather bondage cuffs as as clothing you would wear outside. Oh, okay. You know, or like okay. skin tight plaid pants with straps on them and belts okay. with studs and rings and you know all the spikes and, and all that kind of stuff and all that stuff. That was all okay. considered sexual fetish gear gotcha. at the time. Now, and then you, you said in guy, England, yeah, in then, London. Okay, this guy Malcolm McLaren was running a shop called Sex. And they sold sex fetish gear as streetwear. That was like his fashion statement. Okay. And he tried to take advantage of like kind of the economy and the youth rebellion going on at the time mm -hmm. and formed a band to try to promote his wear. And so, that was the Sex Pistols. So the Sex Pistols were formed to advertise fashion. Yes. Okay. Okay. Go See. Well, now, now on top of this, however, Johnny Rotten was a real person. Malcolm McLaren found him and was like, you, I'm going to put you in this thing I'm doing. Same with, you know, all the guys in the sex pistols were, were rough street ruffians and kids. He found uh -huh. that he either hired to work for him or he, you know, he, for, he basically formed the first boy band out of real street kids. He found, and Johnny Rotten was a street I, yeah, anarchist. That, that, as was, a kid. that was exactly. And it, he took this guy and was like, I can give you a life basically wear my sex gear and play in a band. Okay. We're going to need so, to rewind a few things there. Ed, so, so, first. okay. So hold on. So the sex pistols <laughs> were a boy band with rabies basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. What you're saying. Absolutely. My okay. entire worldview just completely got blown up. I a like fashionista oh, found a young street crap. anarchist and was like, I can make some money off of you. And he was like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? So, so I want to go back to the destitution of the 70s in England, because that seems as good a place to start as any. Uh, you you have the uh, OPEC uh, oil embargoes. Uh, you've got the oil crisis of 72, 73. Um, and at this point, you have, if I recall correctly, Edward Heath and Harold Wilson trade terms. Uh, Wilson yeah. is a Labor Party. Uh, Heath is the conservative. And then Wilson comes back. And then it's James Callahan. Yeah who is Labor Party as well. So you've got this switcheroo well, and it well, keeps and, and, not working. For yeah, it, it keep well, because nothing's working because the the entire planet's economy was in the shitter. This, right. You know, everybody was suffering. And right. so every four know, years they're turning over the pillow. Pretty much. Yeah. And <laughs> and, you know, the the oil issues are a big part of that. But there's right. also, you know, this is this is when this is fully unionized England too at this point. Too. Yes, this is yeah. this is pre-Thatcher. So right. the unions haven't been the unions haven't been destroyed yet. Right. 
Um, and so there are very large systemic changes happening to the economy worldwide mm -hmm. that nobody has figured out how to adjust for. 70s England was very Dickensian. Like you get pictures of people from the 70s there with dirt on their faces and shit, right. like families and shit. It's fucking wild. Yeah, the squatting oh, yeah. was big then. Um, you know, yeah. you also had Jamaican independence happens in 62. And basically from 48 to 71, you see the Windrush generation. They're named after the ship that brought over like 500 kids in 48 or 47. But like within that period of time, you have 500,000 uh, West Indies immigrants of former colonies moving to London for work and all kinds of things many of whom did not come necessarily legally, uh, but very few of whom, see, this is where England's different, very few of whom were kicked out either, but but they were shoved into, you know, tenement housing and public housing and things like that. Um, and there was a lot of complaints about, you know, oh, they're stressing the NIH and, and stuff like that. So by the 70s, you have the kids of these people have come of age. They're 16, 17 years old and can't find jobs for the most part. Um, I think this is also, Jason, help me out here. Is this also the time where you start to see like um, the first skinheads popping up? In mm -hmm. England, absolutely. Especially there was a far right, as much as there was a far left movement that was kind of associated with the punk world, mm -hmm. there was also kind of interlaced with the punk world. The far right saw the same opportunities in poverty for recruitment. Sure. And so in the punk rock world, yeah, you saw some of the skinhead movement coming up, which was also kind of a split movement. Because there's a skinhead movement that's a very working class, left-leaning oriented movement. Yeah. And yeah. then there's the side of it you hear more about that's like a far-right neo-Nazi movement. Right. But both it's... of those were prominent at the time. But yeah, okay. the far-right movement had attempted to infiltrate the punk scene like early on. They kind of, they grew together in a, in a kind of a sad way. Okay. Yeah, because I remember, um, I remember reading, I forget what it was, but it, I, I don't remember the source, but it was essentially... A, a left-leaning skinhead in England criticizing the hippies and saying how impractical, no wonder they're, they're such a pain in the ass, basically. They don't know how to work because their hair would get caught in the machines. And then he like rubs <laughs> his head and he's like, you know, <laughs> we do the work here, basically. It was kind of cool. And like he's standing there and there's at least two young black men with him and a couple other white guys who are like suede head, skinhead, you know, that very, very short. Yeah. Um, original skinheads was like a, a co like a, a co-founded co-racial movement yeah basically when from england's um conquering mm -hmm. combining you know the culture of jamaica and the culture of english street rock right you ended up with this basically the skinhead movement yeah there was a if i remember what i read a while ago uh there was a, a kind of a reggae influencer involvement in part oh, of that culture yeah absolutely yeah. scott any you ask any skinhead over over 40 they love they love old reggae and ska music mm -hmm. that's like the roots of the skinhead culture and that's you know that's why any real skinhead is you know that's the argument real skinheads aren't nazis they're real skinheads are black guys right like yes <laughs> if we're gonna go far back enough yeah. right <laughs> okay so you've got uh civil unrest starting up too you've got more people doing street demonstrations You've got the flipping and flopping uh, politically going on, um, a real destabilizing, like making yeah. <laughs> making way for uh, old Iron Pants herself, Maggie Thatcher, um, yep. going on in the background. But musically, so you've got um, avant-garde fashionista exploiting 
young street anarchists. Basically, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far I'm, as I'm the not sex get over go, <laughs> musically, they were trying to copy groups like Iggy Pop. Okay. Um, and MC5 and the Ramones, who came out way before the Sex Pistols. Okay. Um, but the Ramones weren't a political group, you know. But New York had sort of a punk scene before it was called punk. Okay. Um, and what was that in reaction to? Or, or um, I, guess... I think kind of the same economic world turn. Sure. You know, there was just this youth culture with no direction. People who were, you know, coming 17, 18 years old and were already aware they had no hope of a future. Okay. You know, like... they could look at the world and just see what the fuck. And, you know, they just, you know, squatting was big in New York at the time. Yeah. And, you know, down in the Bowery, this music scene formed around this bar called CBGB. CBGB. Okay. Yeah. Um, country blues, country bluegrass and blues is what it stands for, I believe. Okay. But they ended up becoming a punk venue. It was a bar that um, this business inventor named um, Hilly, Hilly, Hilly Crystal, like Billy Crystal with an H, Hilly Crystal. Right. Um, he bought it because he just wanted to own a bar. He had some inheritance. And then uh, the locals, it was like a heroin neighborhood uh-huh. and weird people okay. wandered in. And finally, local punks started being like, can we play here? You know, weirdo musicians. And he was like, fine, whatever. We'll get anything going. Sure. And it became eventually grew into becoming like the home of punk rock in America was this bar called CBGB's in the Bowery in New York. So... And then you had bands like Television started there, mm-hmm. the Ramones, Iggy and the Stooges. Um, a lot of like early pre-punk bands that formed kind of the sound mm-hmm. before the Sex Pistols kind of created the look and attitude that became what we kind of modernly know as punk. A lot of black leather, the the lots of metal on things. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. like uh, the Ramones all wore leather jackets and jeans. You know, uh-huh. that was their thing. But the Sex Pistols all wore like, you know, Johnny Rotten wore like mismatched plaid and dyed his hair and spiked it up and Okay. Like, you know, the UK kind of invented that that plaid and spiky hair look thing that you see. Okay. Green mohawks, all that stuff. That's that originated over the pond. Okay. So it sounds like there's a parallel going on here though. Basically, somebody who's looking to make money finds young people who are looking to I I, I can't quite pin down what they're looking to. It sounds I can like tell you what they're yeah. looking to do. Please. They want to be musicians, but they have no means. And they see these rock stars making this crazy elaborate music, but they don't have a way to learn uh-huh. music proper or to play music proper. So they scrap together what gear they can and copy the music they love as best they can. And it turned into its own original form of music called you know, punk rock. Okay. Um, very DIY. Yeah, it was very DIY. It was just these kids of this lost generation mm-hmm. in a shitty economic time that wanted nothing more than to play music like, you know, the crazy famous hippie rockers that came before them, they saw, you know, Hendrix, Sabbath, all this shit. And they were like, man, I can't, I don't know how to do nothing, but I can steal a guitar maybe. And, you know, some of these kids got together and got in a squat house and mm-hmm. started playing music together. And that's kind of how you get these punk bands. And then, you know, Malcolm McLaren put one together, mm-hmm. you know, with his money and his store and an attempt to be like, I can make this youth culture this rock and roll rebellion against rock and roll capitalism big. That feels very much like Sprite in the nineties. Like kind of, yeah. The taste of a new generation. Like I was just this, this one guy and he considered himself an anarchist the whole time. You know, he was never like I'm capitalizing Uh in his mind. He was always like, I have the means to help build this thing. I'm platforming. 
Yeah, he was. That mm-hmm. was his view on it. Even though he was clearly anyone who worked under him, any of the bands he managed, are like he ruined us. The New York <laughs> Dolls are a band that he ruined, who were big in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, their drag queen band um, that played kind of rock and roll, pu- early pre-punk rock kind of music. Uh huh. And um, their whole thing was they all dressed like scuzzy women, like not passing drag queens. Like they looked like dudes in dresses and makeup, and they were rugged as fuck. You know, they were just like, "Hey, what's up? How's it going?" You know. And, uh, and, you know, but they did their best to look like ladies and it was a cool thing they did. And he came over from the UK to do fashion shit and saw one of their shows Uh and started managing them and got them to all dress in like tight red leather and pose as Chinese communists at the time. Wow. And basically like tanked their, like tanked them, put out a record with that theme. Mm -hmm. Then he took some of the fashion he saw and guys like Richard Hell and Iggy Pop from the USA Mm -hmm. and took it back to the uk and that's kind of when he founded the sex pistols so he he was going to invest in anarchism yes in order to overcome in order to defeat capitalism in rock and roll he was was, going to invest in it yeah in order in order (laughs) to to create something that would then make him more money that it he gets, could then invest. It gets even in... more fucked up than that. Because <laughs> once the Sex Pistols got so controversial, uh-huh. he purposefully destroyed the band in a grandiose way. How how do you mean? He um he sent them, they were banned, they became banned in England. It wasn't allowed for them to play anymore after at the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Uh Malcolm rented a riverboat that went by Buckingham Palace, and the Sex Pistols played their hit God Save the Queen as they sailed by on the boat. And everyone was arrested. It was a big to do. Um, and so after that happened, they were banned in the UK by the queen herself was like, that band is done here. If they play anywhere, it's a crime. That's and that's the name of an album, right? God Save the Queen. Yeah, it was the name of a like an, a seven inch record they put out. No, I mean, had, uh, that, banned in the UK. Isn't that that's the name of a Sex Pistols album? OK, yeah, yeah. There okay. might be a band called that, but that's the name of one of their albums. Gotcha. And one of their songs. And after that, they were banned from playing anywhere in England. So they had to go to the U.S. and do a tour there. Um, and because they were falling apart from drugs and crazy bullshit, they fired all their good musicians in favor of people who looked cool. That's how oh, Sid wow. Vicious ended up in the band. He couldn't play. Yeah. He's not on the record. Um, they had a different bass player. I forget his name because I'm a dumb dick. But he was the best musician in the band. <laughs> he was okay. the only one who could play. Um, I forgot his name like everybody else. It's uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul something, um, but he was fucking good, and uh, they kicked him out because he was too into like the Beatles and shit. And they got Sid Vicious, who couldn't play but looked real cool, uh, slamming on a bass guitar with it turned off on stage. <laughs> okay, so the couple things here: one, Sid Vicious is also the name of a pro wrestler who looked really him. good. Yeah, yeah, he looked really good. Couldn't wrestle for a fuck like yeah, that's a that's a great parallel it really <laughs> yeah and he would regularly get injured uh just in time for like softball season because he loved playing softball like like he <laughs> wow <laughs> i mean but he looks like the prototypical wrestler like just pecs built like just, a truck just yeah jesus christ i remember Sid vicious yeah, yeah. oh i bet because like your interest in punk too would have like yeah as a kid i was like there was like i was like wait what yeah <laughs> yeah and at one point he was Sid Justice, like, and then he yeah. went back to being Sid Vicious, and then Psycho Sid, but not with a P. It was S Y C H O, 
and then get creative. Yeah, it was just. Was it? Was he a '90s wrestler? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, okay, uh, all right. That's all. The moment you said, "Oh yeah, psycho," but not oh, with a P, like obviously gorgeous, like golden locks that are curly as hell, <laughs> like like blonde fro mullet. Like it just. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. So Brock there's Samson. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's the the obligatory uh, wrestling tie into whatever the topic is. Yeah, um yeah. okay so so I'm still I'm still swimming amidst this sea of of detail here. Um so he he ruins bands. Um actually do me a favor. Can you can you unpack what a street anarchist is? You you'd mentioned that a couple times. Well, I think it depends like the early the early punk scene in London had a lot of weirdos. That would be an easier way to describe them. Johnny Rotten at the time was like a street anarchist. Okay. Um which is just you know his family were squatters. Um, when he was young, he was a dickhead now, but when he was young, he said, uh, he didn't see a toothbrush, uh, mm-hmm. touch his teeth when he was in, living with his family. Uh, he only, the first, only time he saw a toothbrush was when his dad cleaned his boots growing hey, up. Ed, don't feel bad. His name was Johnny Rotten. Cause his teeth were, were green and rotten in different colors. Oh, God damn. That's why they called him Johnny Rotten. Cause his teeth were so fucking gnarly. Oh my God. By yeah. English standards too. Like that. Yeah. His teeth were literally green. If you could find an old color close up of Johnny Rotten's mouth, wow. there are green spot like mold growing in his mouth. It's wild. Oh God. That's he was awful. a straight up street urchin who stole and thieved and lied. And like, you know, his family lived in an abandoned tenement building, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's okay. Uh, so... Malcolm McLaren caught Johnny stealing clothes mm. in his shop. Sure. And was and and he was like, "You want these? You want these shoes, Johnny? Come audition for this band I'm putting together." And that's how that's how Johnny Rotten became Johnny Rotten. How old was he? Nineteen. Damn. I think nineteen at the okay. time they started. Yeah. Wow. So what you're saying is there's a special place in hell for Malcolm McLaren? Probably, yeah. Maybe Johnny I'm... Rotten now too, but no, yeah, he's he, gone through he's a lot of changes. His own spot out. Yeah. Yeah, he's gone through a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so that happens. Um, but it's, it, there's a thing that I'm noticing here that seems to be a through line. Young men who are also very much admiring the old music and wanting to emulate it, or at least they're wanting to emulate it. I don't know if they're admiring it, but it doesn't seem like a, we're going to do something bigger, better, and and greater than you did. It's, we want to learn to play this music, but we don't know how. Yeah, and if you think about it too, at the same time you've got like avant-garde art and Dadaism, right? And like um, iconoclast, like a lot of iconoclast stuff surging up in the art scene with Warhol and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So music, punk was kind of the musical answer to that too. I think it was, you know, kind of like, well, this is music too. How about that? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, it was this the same thing Warhol or you know all those artists in that time were doing. Sure, they did that with music. Wow. and then the Sex Pistols did an American tour and okay. imploded from, you know, Sid Vicious's drug problems and Johnny Rotten's ego mm-hmm. and all that shit. They just imploded. And that was the end of the Sex Pistols. They did an American tour. They were a band for, I think, like 18 months. That's it. Yeah. The Sex Pistols were a band for wow. less than two years. That's... At least one record. And then what they did spark was... A bunch of other bands that took that seriously the concepts and so then you've got these bands that are actual 
practicing anarchists, sometimes living in communes. A group called Crass kind of started what's called the anarcho-punk movement. Uh-huh. And they founded uh, a commune and they started their own record label. They were the first band to like, just be like, we, we're going to call the factory and press our own records. We'll just figure out what it costs. And they, um, they basically took the, the principles of anarchism and some of the early philosophy from like the 1800s of guys like Bakunin uh-huh. and, uh, you know, Neshev and, and actual anarchist thinkers. And we're like, what if, what if the Sex Pistols meant it? Basically, but they knew happened. that they didn't. Yeah, they knew they, that they didn't. Eventually, okay. the Sex Pistols were kind of exposed as like mostly an assembled joke, even though some of the guys were serious about it for a short time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, but it inspired people to create a real scene like that. And then you had a growing network of bands that said, we won't play corporate venues. We're going to, you know, we'll rent VFW halls and we'll rent this place or that place and we'll have our own shows and we'll pay the bands and you can stay at our house and that's kind of how the punk scene as you know it now developed okay it was then you know that spread across the usa almost at the same time the u.s had the punk sound first uh -huh. but i think the uk developed the more political side of the mindset because i think the actual poverty there was worse uh which and, is interesting because they had more of a social safety net than we had too yeah it's it's harder to ignore in England what's going on though, whereas in Maybe America that was you, it. you can certainly you can be like, Oh, that's those well, I, that's I over think, the tracks over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the I think part of the part of the difference was the number of people, the percentage of the population in the UK mm -hmm. that was living in publicly funded you know because of the post-war oh, right. consensus yes you know the the number of people who were living in council tenements and you know council blocks much bigger yeah was much much bigger that's what uh, fed as the punk scene all their early participants was those right the kids yeah. those communities yeah. those kids from those people living in those shitholes growing up and when the sex yeah. pistols came up there actually was a group called the bromley contingent which was from their area uh -huh. in that era and um it was like a group of like 50 punks that were like the original like first punk rock group that was like people feared them you know there there is like you know certain parts of london where you'd be like oh don't go down there the punks they'll they'll harass you they're acting weird over there uh -huh. they drink in the street they don't care and uh, that's kind of where the uh the whole concept when you see like 80s movies you know, like a crew of like 15 punks and they laugh right. like hee, 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 and pull out yeah. a switchblade yeah. or something and take yeah. a lady's purse. Jeff Goldblum and like yeah. Lawrence Fishburne are a part of it. Yeah. The first guy's Terminator yeah. kills or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like, that's kind of inspired by that whole scene. The, the Bromley contingent, like the first group of punk rockers kind of inspired that whole scene. And then you saw that everywhere in the 80s. There were actual groups of punk gangs. Right. And like in yeah. the Bowery in the 80s and in Scotland and Ireland and England in the in the eighties and even into the nineties, some. So okay, so the Ed, is this what we talk about, like uh trope codifier? Like the the sound came from America, but the ones who actually made it a thing, um, or the 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 image came from the sex pistols, it's... the sound came from America, but then people started actually taking it seriously. The image is also kind of cohesive in a way, too, because you've got mm -hmm. like the look of the Ramones, you know, they ripped jeans and leather jackets. Uh-huh. And then you've got the look of like Johnny Rotten or English punk rockers with like, you know, tight plaid pants and right. a ripped t-shirt that's just like a rag with four holes in it and a bright green hair. And like uh 
but that's like that was weird but that's like uh you know that's those two fashions didn't really i think the uk style is more well known and recognizable as punk more iconic when you see a guy when you see a guy dressed like a ramon you're just like that guy's a rocker right you know yeah right yeah um you know we see a guy dressed like johnny rotten you're like that's a punk right there Uh, that dude is a punk (laughs) that's the guy that uh, kirk was asking to turn his music down on the on the bus yeah yeah. But I think that they kind of collide too. You see people kind of, I think it's a mixture of both. Uh-huh. That is kind of what the current punk look is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, okay. I mean, we're but in the seventies still. Like the U S definitely defined the sound okay. as it kind of existed originally. Mm-hmm. There's definitely like Iggy and the Stooges and the MC five and like early, um, early punk rock was like late the reaction to hippie music. You know, in the late 60s, you had those bands coming out that were hard rock that were kind of more aggressive. But, you know, like like Iggy Pie, I want to be your dog and and shit like that, you know? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That shit was the reaction. And that kind of defined the sound of punk. Because even then, they were rude and they had the attitude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they weren't love and flower and peace. Even even the Velvet Underground, Mm -hmm. I think, is considered like early proto-punk. You know, they were they were dark and kind of mm-hmm. mean as compared to like, they came as a reaction to the flower power and kind of bashed into it ahead of their time. Also like, okay. I mean, the, the Beatles were really big on being silly and the stones were really big on being high. Um, yeah. And so, and so were the grateful <laughs> dead. Like punk was kind of against the grandioseness of that rock yeah, and roll culture right. too. Like, especially hair metal, I think what you could describe as the enemy music uh-huh. in rock and roll of punk rock. Oh, you really? Know, it's all about how yeah. you, it's all about, you know, your hair and your makeup and your look. And punk is obviously guilty of having a look. Sure. But I think that's, it's not supposed to be too invested in, I think. Like self-consciously this, austere. Like if you see an ad for someone looking for a musician for a hair metal band, mm-hmm. the look is part of the list of requirements. Right. If you see an ad for someone looking for a musician for a punk band, it's like, can you, can you handle 12 beers? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you how well can you hang that's you what we need less to know. than 30k right? <laughs> you know, now uh, yeah you know we we bring up the poverty with poverty normally comes a fair degree of um i'm gonna say mild violence like you know i'll knock yeah, you down kind of violence in all forms yeah i think Is, the lack of the lack of resources kind of just teaches you to be kind of you keep your you keep your feathers up yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Stay yeah, prickly. Yeah. Um, do you see a a larger degree of because I'm thinking of like my dad, my my dad was born in 43. I always get the number wrong. I think he was born in 43. And so like he was there for the summer of love in San Francisco, mostly for the drugs. Uh, and he would go and see a lot of bands. And so he was there and he saw the changes. And he told me about people who you know, because I was, you know, I, I grew up listening to, you know, hard, hard rock, heavy metal. Yeah. And so we'd see stage diving. And my dad said, oh, that's not stage diving. Stage diving was when people would jump in, jump into the, the crowd kicking um, the whole way. Now, is is that, I, that that could have just been a band that he saw and it, it etched into his brain? Um, or was that kind of a part of it? Like the diving off the stage, the... Well, I think... One of the cool things about punk, a physical violence in kind of a random way, like the stage diving and all that, mm-hmm. I think is a part of it. And I think the individual can intend to be violent or not. It just depends on the individual. Sure. sure. But yeah, for sure. I think one of the cool things about about punk rock is it was the first time that like the people going to see the bands looked like the people in the bands. Mm. 
and the bands didn't okay. care if some guy jumped on stage and threw a beer at him. You know, the guy in the band would spit back in the guy's face and keep on playing. Tom <laughs> Petty wouldn't do that shit. You know, you're not gonna see right. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart ain't gonna do that shit. Rod right. Stewart's yeah. gonna stop the show. Yeah, you know, go back and, that's and play kinda, with his trains. That's yeah, yeah. that's kind of what defined punk rock at that era too. Was that that whole sight of like rock stars being above and better on a pedestal? Mm -hmm. The people in the bands at that time were like, "Fuck all that. If you know the words, get up here and sing with me." You know, like let's throw beer at each other. You know, like that. It's like you've seen footage of a punk rock show from the '80s, right? Or at yeah. least in a movie, right? Like yeah. it's it's kind of this spirit of there's almost like a happy dickishness to it. Like flipping off an old school punk band is like clapping. Yeah. That's not, I'm not bullshitting you. Okay. It's yeah. like in between songs, everyone's like, yeah, you know, and that's just okay. like a uh, joyful rudeness is the best way I can describe okay. it. Okay. Like it's it's yeah. totally tolerated at punk shows. Now, some bands don't want you to throw a can of beer at the singer that that's irritating to anybody, sure. but there's sort of like every band kind of has their line uh -huh. Yeah, and everybody kind of knows it with that group. Like okay. there's a band called the legendary shack shakers their singer would put a fan on a stool facing the crowd and reach down his pants and rip out pubes and throw it into the fan <laughs> and people would spit on him and throw shit at him and it's just like that's their part line. of the show that's <laughs> right. what he does you know that's <laughs> right. their line and you know so that's kind of punk rock introduced that spirit to rock and roll it was like we're not elevated gods we're just right down here with you we right. just happen to be up here entertaining you at the moment sure and so punk rock kind of drew a line in the sand against that whole elevated rock star persona. So do you think the do you think the 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 fuck you yeah fuck us kind of attitude that you're describing <laughs> the punkishness is, is, of it is, is yeah the punkishness of it no I said is that, puckishness oh puckishness it yeah it feels no, very like puck that. yeah <laughs> uh, do you think that's that's tied to the anarchism? of it like the the actual philosophical anarchism that's that's there i think i think it's i think that's just gravity okay. i think anarchism and the the nature of punk and the economic rebellion that it sprung out of are just kind of some punks found anarch some punks went to college and mm -hmm. were like oh this is us in this okay and this book from cool. 1897 this is us mm -hmm. okay and i cool. think that's kind of what happened <laughs> okay. okay so on a on a less on a less maybe uh pretentious note it kind of sounds like there's uh I, it's it's a really big thing in australia and i think it's also a thing in in working class british culture is uh the idea of calling somebody a tall poppy as an insult i never heard that oh All yeah right. oh yeah no in, in australia if if you look at somebody and say well right and you're, you're i'm not even going to try the accent what, but if you look poppy? at yeah if, <laughs> if you if you look at him <laughs> and say tall oh poppy, yeah yeah you're you're really a tall poppy, aren't you? You're basically saying you're a pretentious fuckwit, aren't you? Okay, I like love asshole. fuckwit. That's one of my favorite you know. um, European colloquialisms. Fuckwit. Fuckwit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I fuck love with it. that. Yeah. 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 Nice. Good. But it's like it's not offensive to any group, but it's yeah. also a great way to call someone a fucking idiot. Like yeah. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but but I I I get the sense from what you're describing that it's like in group, like everybody on stage and everybody off stage is enforcing the don't anybody start thinking you're all that in a bag of chips. Cause yeah. no, like, fuck that. That's not who we are. That's not how, you know, that, that's, that is not the cultural norm here. 
that's sort of what um, almost in, inevitably destroyed the original power of the punk community when it was actually kind of politically threatening in its heyday oh. was that it, be, it was so insular. Eventually, people had their factions and they were like, oh, you're still wearing leather. None of us eat meat anymore. <laughs> and, you know, and it, like things started to become factional and people were more punk than this person and define trying to define what punk is. And then uh, it became it became so insular and like self-sustaining in a bad way. Mm -hmm. it, it just it ate itself. And that's that's why punk is a former shadow of what it you know was in, in its in its salad days. Sure. Mm -hmm. OK, so um, as I understand it, we're in the 70s. Uh, the Sex Pistols have imploded. Others are taking it seriously and saying, OK, let's actually let's actually do this. Yeah. Um. And so that gets us what to the late seventies. I mean, it's like... probably late seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Okay. You've got bands like Crass and Subhumans at this in the UK, which are very hardline kind of left mm -hmm. political bands. Um, and then in America, you've got the same thing with groups like MDC, which stands for Millions of Dead Cops, hmm. and like the Dead Kennedys would be probably a more example. A lot of people would know, right? That were in their early days were. Um, considered a part of the anarcho-punk movement okay when they were still the live kennedys yeah, yeah yeah before before all the deaths right um what a great band name to have at that time yeah like, <laughs> like god just like to play a, a ted kennedy uh benefit would be great like yeah, they, yeah. almost <laughs> round like or to like oh my god did they ever do a show where they like they they emptied out a a swimming pool and they played there <laughs> like that would just be like hey also, ted Look what almost happened at that time. At the same time, there was a band from Orange County called Agent Orange in the early 80s, which was uh, pissed off a lot of veterans of about fighting you at a bar age. Right. That were in Vietnam. <laughs> at yeah. that time. Yeah. See, you've named like a bunch of bands and I, I, I have to confess, I've heard of like three of them. Like we'll review the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. will. I mean, we've listen. got a list going. So, um, OK, so and then. And then so, on top of yeah. that, punk, you still also got artists like like Blondie and, right. uh, you know, artists that are considered part of the more because punk was obviously co-opted by by pop music, like sure. any music that can sell, that can make a buck is. Sure. Mm -hmm. And not to say I hate any of that music, um, you know, um, but, you know, you got artists like Blondie mm -hmm. and the police and the cars and stuff that kind of self-proclaimed the punk mantle. Um, and kind of did have, you know, they were a little countercultural, but obviously we're just weird pop stars, really. Okay. Yeah. You know, That's Cindy Lauper, like, you know, they, they weren't really countercultural. They were just pop stars that scared your mom a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good. All right. So, I mean, that kind of gets you into the yeah. 80s where like, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you get Thatcher and Reagan. They're two conservative revolutions. And this is kind of what I was wondering was that like in the 70s, you still see attempts at leftism in international politics, as well as just, uh, you know, the UK and in America, you still see hints at it. I'm not saying I mean, you still have the bombing campaigns of uh, of the, the groups that I talked about when we talked about V, um, all those yeah. women who ran the bombing campaigns. Yeah. uh where they, they bombed <laughs> yeah. congress once um but yeah. you have like this this ebbing away of direct action leftists and you've got uh liberals kind of co-opting and grabbing that up you've got jimmy carter you've got uh what's his name james callahan uh who's a labor party leader and he's you know, not yeah. much of anything 
This and, is where hardcore comes in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they are rubber banding against Reagan and Thatcher then. Yeah. Yeah, for okay. sure. Um, at the same time, you've got in the 80s, you get the bands like Crass kind of come to an end. Subhumans are still around doing oh. their thing. Um, okay. Some of those bands are still around and pretty good for old guys. Sure. Um, are they still old, are they still punk or are they just old oh, yeah. guys who play punk the, music? The Subhumans are uh -huh. like one of my favorite bands. Their singer still lives the life of a, an artist punk rocker. Huh. He's just that's what he's going to do. Um, in the UK, it's easier, you know, tenement housing is a little more legal Yep. and you know, there's, it's not as shit holy if you actually care to take care of your own space. And yeah, so yeah, he's the subhumans are still a, a real deal punk band. Cool. One of few from the original, like anarchist punk era. Hey, Ed, do you remember, um, the window tax? Uh, I, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're looking at your, wearing your subhumans t-shirt. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Ed, do you remember the the window tax? Do you remember when that was? Am I a century off? Where yeah. basically, if you owned a building, a tenement building, they in order to get you pay your taxes enough taxes, you know, they said uh, per windows that you have in your building, and so they bricked up a whole bunch of families' single oh, windows. Yeah, it's just fucking awful. And yeah, I can't it's, remember that's the wrong. It was. That's it, that's the wrong century. I, okay, that's I'm that's off by one. that's that's uh, industrial revolution. Okay. <laughs> That is, I feel fact, like literally Dickensian. Yes. I feel like English greed is more direct and visible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's because it's because in England they're able to point to a rigid class system that yeah. was actually codified for centuries, and so they can just say, "Well, no, we're just better than you are, so fuck you." Um, so yeah. they so culturally they can they can get away with being that way. Don't you hear all my letter T's? I'm more English than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh please distinguish for me the 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 hardcore punk versus the uh the the stuff that came before. Uh well in the in the early 80s you had the beginnings of metal. Okay. And like good punk rockers do, they just want to play the music they heard when they were 12. So you've got these kids in the okay. early 80s that are here in bands like Sabbath right. and some bands that were kind of like the beginnings of thrash metal that was a bit faster than okay. any other rock and roll. So then you get bands like uh, Minor Threat or Heard even the Dead Kennedys were kind of considered a hardcore band. Okay. Uh, Black Flag. Um, okay. So it's it's kind of when punk started to sound a little more metal. You started to get those songs where the drums are like, boop, bap, da, boop, bap, da, boop, bap, da, no okay. effects. Right. would be considered like mm -hmm. a later a melodic okay. hardcore punk band and so um that's kind of obviously still political the turmoil of the time was sort of the focus of a lot of the music sure okay and also you had a lot of uh a lot of right-wing religious right censorship in the 80s yeah, on both did. sides yeah. of the pond yeah um you know parent, organiza parent organizations yeah. and, and shit like that forming and yeah nancy reagan tipper gore Anita Bryant, to some extent. I mean, she didn't just tip, focus on gay people. It's probably Tipper most famously. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so punk rock kind of had that to lash out against too. Okay. Um, even though I think more famous artists caught the brunt of it, you know, like Twisted Sister and NWA and shit like that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. because they they were noticed obviously because they were huge. Right. Um, Frank Zappa punk rock had, punk a lot rock to had that to it. be mad about. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, and the religious right, the kind of oppression of that and suburbia was mm -hmm. kind of becoming a concept in the 80s or attempting to, you know, Reaganomics and middle class suburbia yeah. was uh, attempting to form as 
the environment was attempting to destroy it. And uh, how, do you, the, how do you mean uh, the environment? Uh, the economic environment. Oh, you know? okay. gotcha. They were trying to form this middle class utopia of cul-de-sacs and neighborhoods, right. uh, mostly fully unawares that the next 10 years of economy would <laughs> disassemble that and turn a lot of it into dirt lots and boarded up houses. Right. Because <laughs> it's um, not like they didn't have suburbs prior to that, but... Yeah. Remember that, that place you had to play baseball when you were a kid in your neighborhood in the middle uh -huh. of it? Uh -huh. That's because your neighborhood was almost failing. And you had that empty plot of land that they couldn't develop for any reason whatsoever. That was the peak of development. And right. there was that one spot that that was right before your SimCity fails and you think it's working. Right. <laughs> we all had a great place to play baseball in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a building behind Not where I lived. Wrong. So I lived in I lived in San Francisco. Um, this is before all these neighborhoods got gentrified, too. Um, they didn't replace the street signs after a while. They're like, fuck it. People are just going to keep stealing them. Um, and so <laughs> you would tell directions by the sex worker on the street. Like that's, that's what you turn left at leopard skin. And, uh, <laughs> but why well, I, I literally, I lived in this one area and, uh, there were Victorian houses that got turned into flats. So three story flats, right? So you, you rent the entire floor and, uh, which, which was, you know, fairly working middle-class. My dad had a, a city job. Um, the building behind my house, the 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 fence was almost completely collapsed under the weight of whatever the fuck bush it was there. And it made this really cool like little alcove that you could go hide in and stuff. Um, and the the building behind my house was an abandoned collapsing building that we would regularly go in and like find linoleum and rip it out. Um, so if I die at 70, it's because I was a break dancer at six, uh, because I will have gotten asbestos poisoning <laughs> because of mesothelioma. Yeah, I was going to say, Jesus. So, but like, we didn't have an abandoned lot. We just had a crumbling building that we could like, I mean, it looked like something out of Stalingrad practically. This like you, just, could yeah. Oh yeah. Walk up to no, the sure. second floor. Based held on up the by God. Like, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. bad intentions yeah. and alcohol bottles. Like it was. Yeah. Yeah, my the 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 suburban the part of the suburban neighborhood I grew up in was uh, at, built at the at the early part of that of that wave. Mm -hmm. So I actually had to go to a friend's part of the neighborhood to mm -hmm. have the really great place to play baseball because because he actually ironically he lived in a bigger more expensive house than my family did and it was in his neighborhood where they had sure. the lot you're describing. That was like, oh, so this is this is this is where the wave has stopped, right? And it's yeah. gonna crash down. So yeah, yeah we all had cool, I know. cool abandoned spaces to play and hang out in our youth. We did. Which were amazing. Yeah. But uh, now, as I'm older, I'm like, oh, that was that was what got missed at the peak. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. That was an omen of what was to come. Yeah, that was yeah. the harbinger era. Like, yeah. absolutely yeah. right. We all like, had our own little Detroits to play in yeah. when we were growing up. <laughs> well, so so we had uh, in my That's neighborhood. Dark. It was on one side of the like on you, you got the street, and then on one side you had a bunch of Palestinian kids, and on the other side you had a bunch of Irish kids, um, and uh, a few uh, African American families as well. And one of the games that we would play is throwing rocks at each other. Well, yeah, like you I do. used to play. Like, we yeah. used to throw dirt, like hard dirt. Oh, clods. dirt clods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We had clay up north in Ohio. Yeah. We yeah. would like clay balls were game, but if it right. was a fucking rock, you're a dick. You're out. Go home. We're gonna kick your ass. <laughs> right. But hard clods of clay, game. No, we had like <laughs> little like rocks, straight up like looks like crumbled bricks. Hardcore. And, 
just <laughs> chucking it. Yeah. But we would always grab the uh, the the trash can lids. So oh, if you nice. got hit, yeah. that's on you. Yeah, you know? you're not quick enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can tell who grew up in a more urbanized environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could tell because of like when my dad would get a raise, we'd move again. Like, okay, yeah. Was... Well, yeah, that's... yeah. But okay, so the hardcore movement. Um, you said it's it's, it's borrowing a little bit from metal because metal's coming in. Um, yeah, music that kind of gets heavier. Punk rock gets heavier mm-hmm. at that point. Does it get um, more self consciously political? Like yes and no, both okay. yes and no. Okay. Um. Punk developed its self-conscious roots kind of in the late 70s in, in the UK, too, with bands like Crass, mm-hmm. um, who had, like, you know, a commune and started community centers and put on shows and stuff. But the 80s definitely found it more widely becoming kind of self-conscious and political. But also, mm-hmm. you found punk bands that were more widely um, kind of offensive for the sake of it because the religious right was huge. Yeah, and easy to poke. When you look back on it now that same scene is very offensive to liberal sensibilities in a modern way. Um, Like there's a band called the mentors that describe themselves as rape rock. Oh dear. And they play insane. Their, their purpose is to be offensive. Okay. And in the eighties and the nineties somewhat too, they were widely understood as satire attempted to get under your skin. Right. Okay. But now, even if you explain that it's that it's not okay to say those things, you know, um so arguably maybe it was never right um at the time the punk scene even like woke punks you know Mm -hmm. at the time were like this is funny sure you know they're just trying to piss people off right um but they can't they can't play anywhere now and i don't feel bad for them but uh there was as much of that kind of shit as there was also very aware political punk there were like record labels started for the sole purpose of like feeding homeless youth and all their shows would go to and record wow. pressings would go like BYO is um, called Better Youth Organization, I think. Okay. I want to say it started in New York or DC, maybe, but it was all like hardcore punk bands and mm-hmm. the records that were put out. And they funded like youth centers and like try to help get kids off drugs. Straight Edge became a movement with the hardcore punk scene. Okay. That's okay. where like the, the term got coined by the band Minor Threat and right. like their fans. It- that's called themselves Henry, straight edge is that henry rollins and them no that's black flag but oh, okay. henry rollins and ian mckay in the guy from minor threat they're like they've been tight buddies their whole careers as punk rockers gotcha am i mixing up ian mckay with the guy from fugazi now no same guy okay it is the same guy Fuga- he said minor, something minor threat was his original punk band that was a part of the hardcore scene in the 80s gotcha he said something that i really liked it was um if you always go to where things are, everywhere that you come from is going to suck. It was something along those lines. So in yeah. other words, stay where you are and make it better. Make it good. Yeah. 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 So that's that... kind of one of the ethos of, of punk rock, too, is like some kind of dead shitty cities often mm-hmm. have the best underground punk scenes. That's it's just a yeah. thing. Like yeah. you'll, you'll a band will be like you'll meet like a semi famous punk band, you know, that'll make a couple grand on a good show on merch in the door or whatever. Uh-huh. in a big city and they'll be like oh yeah but we always play bumfuck central montana and they're like why they're like because it's a house show with like 400 people they buy all our shit right you know they set everything on fire and then we go home in the morning right. <laughs> okay. it's, the best, it's the best show of the tour you know yeah <laughs> okay so you you have um yeah uh because uh henry rollins is, is is he does the speaking tour now like he's the... yeah yeah he kind of evolved 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously like a punk icon in his own sure. right. Sure. But he he evolved to do other things. Like he gets no money from Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy Des Kadena, uh-huh. their main guitarist, screwed everybody else in the band out of any rights oh. to the music and the perpetuity. So everyone else who is in Black Flag is like a working class schmo. Uh-huh. Um, except for Henry Rollins, who made his own way as an intellectual, like being a speaker and stuff. Sure. And Des, who tours as Black Flag, which is basically him playing guitar in a cover band. Okay. Yeah. Like... <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Good so there, <laughs> there, there was, I remember in the 90s, and I think it, it obviously had antecedents earlier, there was a movement in art called the Obscenity Movement. Um, and then it dovetailed perfectly with like the early internet. Because you could get like those weird, like it's obviously computer graphics because it's a shiny orb and it would turn into a dick. Um, you know, <laughs> it was and it was like rendered pictures of like obviously computerized dicks and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And and it there's, sounds like there's there's some some footprints that lead back. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. I think I think punk takes a lot of roots from the art community. Mm-hmm. I think it'd even be fair to say that the art community often makes the first move. Oh, okay. um, but I think like, I don't know how the, I'm not, an, I'm not involved in the art community, Sure. but I think pushing sensibilities is always a part of what makes, you know, groundbreaking art. And I think this is a particularly strange time to be pushing sensibilities because um, sensibilities are kind of king in a way. Uh, can you, unpack that a bit i know that's more presentist but we can get back to the punk in a second i want to make sure i understand what you're saying um people and what upsets them or makes them happy are very foreground of our identities and how we live relative to each other now Mm -hmm. more so than i think any time i can remember Uh uh-huh um not to say that it's bad or good but i think there's dominant paradigm yeah Yeah. whether it's an overcorrection or not or a correction or whatever it is Mm -hmm. i think hindsight will will better tell us what what our attitudes now mean in the, as the whole of the society. I think we might be in a phase of overcorrection. Sure. Maybe just just a little bit, but not a hurtful one. I think reality kind of has a, a left-leaning bias. Yeah, I I would agree. I would uh, very yeah. much agree. Yeah. <laughs> I you know, it um I I think of the the guys that I grew I, up it'd with. It'd be great if this corrects back to a place where things are funny again, mm-hmm. but we all respect and love each other. That would be like a happy medium, but we're not there. We're not there because there's too many dipshits out there actually being cruel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then like hiding it with what? It's just jokes. I'm just being funny. Like, yeah, yeah, no, you're not. I think you seem like you mean it. It was a passionate joke you told and no one laughed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And then you blamed people for being too woke. Like, it seems like that was the whole point. Yeah. If people had cheered, you 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 were joking. If people had cheered, you would have just been like, let's go. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had friends growing up that Doc Martens were kind of the thing. Now, it, at one point in my life, I lived in Walnut Creek. Um, and uh, so like that sounds nice. I don't know. Nuts are expensive. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could actually uh, this is a story I've told before, but I, I think you'll appreciate this. You could tell what wave of Asian immigration we had coming to America based on who owned the donut shop. Because it was always a family of the most recent asian immigrant group uh so oh, like the same shop changed yeah changed hands yeah mm-hmm. and it was it was real interesting like when i got there it was vietnamese and by the time i left it was laotian like it was just kind of working its way down that peninsula 
Um, when I first moved to Sacramento, mm -hmm. I was, I was always, um, I took note of the, the high Asian population there. And I mentioned it one time, I might've been hanging out with Daniel Humbarger. We can bleep his name if we need to. No, no that's uh, fine. But I was like, there's a lot of Asian people in Sac. Have you ever noticed that? And he was like, yeah, look at all these railroad tracks. And I was like, oh yeah, that historically tracks. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that is exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the jokes on, on my district that I teach history now, you know, so there's, there's <laughs> a lot of explaining Sacramento itself like, to the kids. All those mm -hmm. railroad tracks in Northern California and yeah. the Asian population. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> How come there's so many really good potato farms around here? Oh, George yeah. Shima. Got it. Yeah. 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 A lot of black people in Kentucky. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Uh actually a lot of my students, uh, they're uh they're they're black and their their grandparents are from Richmond and they're always very, very interested in finding out why their grandparents are from Richmond. Because I'll I'll talk about the war years and stuff like that, and it yeah. was it was one of the four main port cities for building shit. So, but um, okay, so back to um, uh, what was it? Uh, the the 80s. Um, they're they're deliberately trying to offend people, and at the same time, their politics is more than just that. It's and and it does still seem very street level. It's not. It doesn't sound like yeah. it's we're going to change the system from within. It's we're helping the people who yeah. need the help. In the 80s, also, punk somewhat splinters, you know, okay. into those into different camps a little bit. So you've got some people that are, yeah, just offensive rockers, uh -huh. you know, carrying the punk moniker because they're rude and loud and they look weird. Sure. And some of them take it to the point of actually, you know, being in their real life personalities where no one will book the band because they're too wild and shit. Uh -huh. And then you've got other bands that, you know, they'll they'll only play it if there's not a major corporation involved in the venue and all the benefits go to coal miners sure. and no one wears leather at the show and you know like it right gets, right yeah uh, so some bands lean real far left and like punk kind of went in several different directions mm -hmm. but at the same time always away from the norm i think was like the general that's the big one always away from whatever was supposed to be fine or acceptable mm -hmm. or or the problem depending on your angle on right you know, right yeah. Okay. So so anti-conventional. Definitely. That's that's kind yeah. I think that's the thread that runs through it. You know, all the all the genres of punk and offshoots of it being unconventional mm -hmm. and uh yeah, just uh anti-social almost. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, it's except, except for us. Everyone's yeah. fucked up but us. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the group, you get it. And if you're not, yeah. fuck you then. So yeah. Is this where you see an influx into the 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 ultra right stuff though? Like because I'm just the, thinking that the eighties was stuff. a big time yeah. for um for on the in the USA uh -huh. for the influx of fascist politics and punk rock. Mm -hmm. Um and you'd see some bands come like um bands and groups rising up. Like in the eighties, you had groups like uh the National Socialist Movement Jesus and different Christ. KKK groups, the NSM. But there they were far right, you know, uh -huh. different groups like that coming up in the 80s. And they saw punk happening mm -hmm. and they would go recruit. So you'd see. So you'd hey, see you're poor, you're disaffected, you're white. Yeah. Yeah. And in the 80s, the U.S. punk scene was a mishmash. It was like a melting pot. So you'd see you'd see some kid with a swastika carved in his forehead uh -huh. sitting next to some kid in you know, an anarchy T-shirt um, watching a show completely ignoring each other, you know unless somebody said something stupid it was a weird 
strange melting pot, especially in like New York City, the hardcore scene. You'd have anarchists and fascists at like the same venues and just kind of, you know, that thing where two people eyeball each other, like just stay the fuck away from me and it's tense. Did, did, okay. So they, I was going to say, did either of them mean it? But it sounds like they did. Yeah. The fascists generally in kind of the mid 80s to late 80s, the fascists basically got forcibly removed from the world of punk like, like beaten mo- out yeah okay in, in, in the I, I would say more in the mid 80s kind of because there was a lot of violence uh mm-hmm. punk got a reputation for being rapey and Ooh. you know and out of control druggy and that's kind of why straight edge came up there were kids who would come to show they see a drunk guy harassing a girl they beat they beat his teeth out of his skull right and they say don't drink kids you know, and that was kind of where that ethos came from. And some people took it to extremes and got it like kind of fascisty in their own right with it. <laughs> Purity but, testy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's, again, the splintering in punk rock kind of came out of that, too, because then there were people who were like, but you can't tell me not to drink beer. This is right. punk rock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so okay. got, you know, and so people developed kind of there was a lot of ethos building at that time. Oh, interesting. In the 80s, especially in the in the American punk rock scene, for sure. Okay. And was that fairly universal? I mean, uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Keith Lowell Jensen, Sacramento yeah. comic, author, uh, who wrote Punching Nazis and Other Good Ideas. And I've, I've read it, and uh, it's largely an exploration of the punk scene in Sacramento. That seems to be, like, the, the main vehicle through it. And, you know, and it's him telling jokes and telling stories because he loves telling stories. Um, but based on that and other accounts of people in the Sacramento area, the, the ultra right shit hung on deeper in Sacramento specifically, um, than other places. And, and I know you didn't move to SAC at that time. Uh, yeah, I've heard stories. Yeah. Um, I know a guy who would probably prefer, I didn't mention his name, but he's a kind of a big Uh anti-fascist organizer, fighter guy from Sacramento. You probably know who I'm talking about. Um, but he has, he has his own fight club. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to all the events and he was big in the punk scene back in the day. He came up in Sacramento. He's a little older than I am. Okay. And, um, he was talking about how he was, he would tell stories about how they used to beat the shit out of fascists. And there were big fights in, yeah. back in the nineties and early nineties in the punk scene in Sacramento, that yeah. there was like a, a, a far right problem, Huge. um, which was largely confronted. Like the punk scene kind of cleansed itself. Sure um over i guess in different areas at different times yeah the far right generally lost their foothold Mm -hmm. i think it was in the nature of the whole the whole movement um even though it's lurched and grown and slowed at different times i think sure far right ideology has a weak foothold even if it gains one in that kind of scenario yeah it it does tend to be very front oriented and so there's not much behind it uh, from yeah. what you know it, it, in the studies of fascism that i've done for uh jesus for my career uh yeah. but also for other episodes yeah. of this uh this podcast they, they're very front oriented they're very much if you don't stand up to them they'll just keep taking territory but if you stand up to them for a sustained period of time they'll do one of two things one they'll fold two they'll they'll accelerate and and escalate to the point where people start dying and then the justice system has to get involved um, yeah. instead of just letting them do it uh which yeah a lot of them in in the sacramento scene a lot of them went away for about 10 years on, yep. on explosives charges guns charges and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then the rest became cops up in like 
Roseville and Rancho. Yeah. Yeah. Moved, moved to a place yeah. where nobody knew them and citrus heights grabbed what yeah. little authority they could have. Yep. <clears throat> now, yeah. Now they've got sticks yeah. and they can do it. Now they, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, kind of to that same point, um, a friend of mine who, who was in the area in that same time period mm-hmm. has stories from when he was in high school of hanging out with, uh, sharps, uh, non-racist, yeah. anti-racist skinheads. And uh, finding himself in a couple of situations where if anybody had batted an eyelash the wrong way, it would have gotten very violent instantly. Sharps are usually, they're reputed for not thinking twice about like, the Nazi doesn't have to start shit. Right. They see a guy with a swastika <laughs> tattoo, a group He's of sharps are like, shit. his teeth are forfeit. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, there was one story of a uh, guy was sitting at the, the light rail station. And you know, ding, and the the doors open, and there was there was a guy who was there who was you know a a, a Nazi skinhead type, uh, not doing anything, just waiting to get on the transit, and somebody comes flying out and decks him, and just starts beating <laughs> the shit out of him. <laughs> These two bald guys are beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get around you now. Could you imagine being like a root skinhead who's into racial unity and reggae, and uh-huh. some dickhead who says he's a part of your group is out there hailing Hitler? I yeah. would I would probably be violent on site too if there was some dude was out there like yeah. being like I'm a skinhead Hitler's great and I'd be like dude should die yeah. God. <laughs> oh you picture I'm side. just okay I'm I'm going to keep hitting until the bad ideas leave your like, head it's even worse when they say they're you you know when they're like I'm yeah. a part of this group right and I yeah. believe this <laughs> think clearly you're not uh, yeah it's yeah. like there are Nazi punk bands few mm-hmm. and far between but they exist there's a group called Screwdriver. Bunch That's of a name I know. Yeah. Make punk, screwdriver with a K. Yeah. Um, they make Nazi punk rock music. Bunch they of came up in they came up in the Ace of Base episode. Yep. Yeah. They yeah. Did. There, there was a lot of Nazi synth bands in in Scandinavia huh. in the in okay. the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Sorry, just the screwdrivers like uh, synth screwdrivers like bouncy rock and roll punk rock. Yeah. It's it's terrible, awful, terrible Nazi music. <laughs> yeah jeez Oy. Was, lots of was... people say their first album is okay <clears throat> it was before they went full nazi and it was all just like working class england like rock and roll shit. sure sure but uh then i guess their singer slipped off or slipped and hit his head on a rock or something and <laughs> or yeah. maybe it was always there and he was just like all right we got our first album in yeah now let's go full blast yeah yeah, yeah. we're legitimate now <laughs> yeah so. We got a record deal. They're going to pay for the second one too. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so was uh, the, the name Susie Sue uh, came up in my mind. Was she part of that or was she a different? She was kind of part of the original contingent of punk rockers with like oh, the okay. Sex Pistols and the Clash and okay. that kind of early punk movement. Okay, Susie and the Banshees came up in right. that. If you if you find old um, you find old footage, old interviews of like Johnny Rotten on Bill Grundy. Uh huh. On TV, old London TV host, and um, when they're interviewing the Sex Pistols when they're first coming up and offending people, um, Susie Sue is there in the background. Like they invited a group of punks onto the show to be a spectacle. Oh, okay. and they basically interviewed the Sex Pistols, but had like a background sure. of punks behind them. Sure. And Susie Sue is there. Adam Ant is there. Um, it's interesting to, if you look at it. It's called the Bill Grundy interview with the Sex Pistols, and a bunch of classic pop punk rockers that became more like pop icons Mm -hmm. are also there just hanging out it's famous because bill grundy he's like this shitty creepy old man 
Sounds like it with um, that name. Says yeah. something. He's Solomon. Um, Susie Grundy. Sue looks at him and goes, Oh, I've always wanted to meet you, Mr. Grundy, like kind of snidely. Uh-huh. And uh he goes, Well, perhaps we can meet after the show. And Ooh. then that's when the thing goes off the rails and the sex pistols are like, You dirty old fucking bastard, which is like the first time someone's cursed on English TV. Right. And it was live. So they're like he's they're like, You wow. dirty fucking bastard, blah, blah, blah. And that's how the sex pistols. That's where the term the filth and the fury came from Okay, in their career. Because the next day after that interview on TV, Mm -hmm. Bill Grundy lost his job as a TV host and some newspaper article made that the title of the the whole story. Wow. All right. Yeah, I was... We got back to the late 70s. That was because you said Susie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I was was interested that you mentioned Adam Ant because I remember him from the 80s. Oh, yeah, but he was was a part of the original... He didn't strike me as punk, like at all. He was a part of the original punk scene. Like he was, okay. he was, the, his original band was called Adam and his package. <laughs> okay. Cool. And, uh, the yeah. Pro post scene. And, yeah. uh, yeah. they were kind of a part of the original London punk rock okay. crew. Okay. The reason I bring up Susie Sue is because, uh, there are pictures of her with the swastika. I can tell you all about that. Please do. Malcolm McLaren, the guy who founded right. the sex, the boy band, entrepreneur fashionista anarchist weirdo whatever uh (laughs) he was all about offending people pushing sensibilities he was the one who pushed johnny rotten to wear that swastika with the word destroy written over it Mm t-shirt with mickey mouse crucified on it in pink okay um the Mm -hmm. whole idea was vivian westwood designed the shirt she's a famous designer still to this day you probably recognize the name a little bit yeah it, it kind of in, helped invent yeah, punk fashion i recognize vivian westwood yeah avant-garde fashion was her thing okay she her original idea was that crucifying a pink mickey mouse with a pink swastika would be offensive to fascists and nazis because it was demasculating because it was pink and mickey sure. and and anyway it wasn't received as it was supposed to be but it was still offensive as shit johnny rotten wore the shirt and then the punk movement, Malcolm McLaren decided swastikas are what we're going to do to piss off the normies. And so he would hand out swastika armbands to bands he represented, which included the Sex Pistols, Susie Sue. He was kind of a promoter of okay. the London punk scene. Okay. Like, like their unofficial, look at us, here's our stuff guy. Mm-hmm. And so he would get the guys in the bands to wear swastikas. He would print them crazy clothes and shit like that with swastikas on it mm-hmm. to kind of piss people off right it was actually a big it all ended at a punk festival that the clash said everyone can use our gear all you bands come play mm-hmm. it's the rock against racism tour i think it was uh, malcolm mclaren went and handed out swastika armbands to the sex pistols and all his other people and adam ant and Susie sue and uh the clash at the end of their set went i see malcolm handing out all this swastika bullshit fascists are trying to infiltrate the punk movement if you wear it you can't use our gear tonight and that was the end of swastikas being used in the punk movement. Like at that festival, the clash nipped it in the bud. Nice. Nice. They were like, fascists are trying to join our movement. You're not making it easier. Stop it. You can't use our gear if you if you wear it on stage. And all the bands were like, well, we didn't we don't have gear. Right. So they, they took them off. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? And yeah. there's a lot of uh like firsthand accounts of people who like kept track of like Susie Stu put one on immediately. Johnny Rotten was like, fuck this. And like, every, like talking about who was like, oh, sure. And who was like, ah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, there's, it's kind of a point of controversy to be talked about in the early punk movement. Oh, huh. cool. Huh. Okay. 
So you've mentioned the clash and I've heard differing opinions on whether the clash are really punk or not. I think they kind of evolved into, I think they sold out. I think they're the oh, first okay. example of a band that started out as like kind of a legitimate part of the punk movement. Okay. And then EMI records came in and was like, Hey, the clash, we really like uh, that rock, the Casbah. Can you do more of that? Uh, and- okay. <laughs> kind of like what happened to the Beastie okay. Boys. I think actually Rock the Casbah was after, but uh, yeah. yeah, they be- they became yeah. marketable and uh, they kind of got bought. Okay. That was sort of the, the, the band Crass actually has a song about the clash called white punks on hope. And, and the opening lyric is um, <laughs> said, they said that we were trash, but the name is crass, not clash Ooh. started some beef in the early punk community um, because crass played the rock against racism tour. Uh-huh. And when the Clash's manager came to pay them because the Clash organized it. Right. Um, Crass said, keep the money for the cause. And the guy who ran the tour said, well, this is the cause. And they were like, well, that's fucked up. We're just a bunch of white guys in a park playing music about how we're not racist. And then we go home. And so Crass started beef with the Clash. Uh-huh. As because Crass is arguably the most legitimate anarcho-punk band ever, yeah. as far as like yeah. lifestyle goes. Okay. You know, they lived in a commune. The guy who founded Crass still lives in the fucking same place. He still lives in the commune. You can go sleep on the yard there if you want. <laughs> Jeez. Penny Rimbaud. He's okay. his brother. I've Con- heard he, that name. Yeah, okay. He, he, right. he tried to be an anarchist poet in his youth, and his brother called him a dime store Rimbaud. And, and so, so he was nice. like, so, so he, took, him. he took the name Penny Rimbaud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's... There's something extra clever about that, though. Like, oh yeah, you know, dime store. No, no, penny. Like, punk rockers have the coolest band guy names ever. Yeah, ever. Like, bar none. Richard Hell. Like, it's 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 not super creative, but shit. Yeah, no it one, works. No one else took it. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, imagine being named Dick Blood. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you'd want to change that to Ricky Steamboat. But, uh, I had a, yeah, well, I was in a, yeah. I was in a punk band with a drum machine once that that we named Manny Fractured, which had some <laughs> double layers to it. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. All right. So the '80s, you see uh, an infiltration, but then uh, you said by by the '90s they pretty much have beaten it out. By the um, yeah, by the late '80s there was okay, that was it. And punk kind of had sort of a downswing. Sort of, it was pretty much dead uh-huh. in the late '80s. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, it was just kind of a small underground, not a lot of stuff. And then the early 90s saw a revival now um, the... of both what you would call crust punk, crust punk, crust punk and pop punk came up at the same time, which were kind of polar opposites, almost reactionaries to each other. OK, so um, pop the... punk is when you start seeing bands like uh, Green Day, right? no effects and offspring. Right. Um, Green Day. Yeah. Link 182. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. On the opposite end of that scale, you have crust punk, which are bands that are lesser known, lesser heard of, like nausea, which is when punk took the metal edge and then went, but what if we couldn't afford the studio and we recorded on a tape, play school tape recorder in a squat? <laughs> you're, I, I don't know if you ever had a guy in a spiky leather jacket tell you this album rules and then you're like, I can't hear any instruments. <laughs> that was probably a crust punk album. Like um, one of the qualities of crust punk is like a lot of those bands just recorded in their squat houses. Um, when punk went pop, a, a reactionary movement to that kind of went, well, we're going to go, we're going to go as opposite. We're going to make this as unlistenable as possible <laughs> on purpose and make it fully message oriented. Okay. 
All right. Is that where you get bands like Consolidated? I'm not familiar with them. Oh, okay. I'll I'll kick you over a, a, a video of them. It, it's uh again growing up eating donuts in Walnut Creek. Uh, they they came on the radio. Uh, you know, had one hit song, and then their whole album is very very fun. Uh, there's, and they have Greg Proops talking for them. You on get the uh, there's a band called Filth that I've really of kind that. of they they kind of um almost what's the word I'm looking for? They're a great example of uh they exemplify almost like the 90s crust punk mm-hmm. era um they kind of helped form it okay um kind of more more screaming untoned vocals um like thrash metal but you don't care if you're in any key okay. um, with the vocals you know just <laughs> blah, 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 you know right yeah. um that kind of came as the opposite of pop punk and then you had bands kind of in the middle you had really political bands that had very acceptable sounds to your average kid, like anti-flag mm-hmm. or okay. uh, like, that's when you probably, we're probably getting into stuff. Like you probably heard of anti-flag. I have least. heard of them. I had a friend who was yeah. in a band, so he had a lot of musical. And they, they could be compared to like, you know, a blink 182 or something, but they're very political. You okay. know, they put out their records on their own label. Um, you know, they donate. Yeah. Bad religion. You know, they donate a yeah, lot of their money yeah. to good causes and leftist stuff. Um, but they're also, yeah, a lot of people know who they are. They kind of have some pop sensibility to their music, um, but still obviously kind of punk. Um, okay. A lot of a lot of hardcore punks hate on that music because, um, you know, they call them sellouts. You sure. know, but I think without that music, you wouldn't have people getting introduced into the more political and like hard edge punk stuff if there weren't your bad religions and your anti-flags and your offspring and green day sure um, those bands you know those are the first punk bands you hear you dip your toes in that stuff and then you're you know some other kid sees you in a green day shirt who's a little older than you and goes oh you think you like punk rock let me show you something right instead of name name your f- favorite five yeah you know, like where they give you it yeah. feels very similar uh ed uh, tell me if this sounds familiar to you uh oh Oh, so you like the MCU? Have you ever read any of the comics? Like yeah. that kind of, <laughs> you know? It, yeah, yeah, instead it's... you're supposed to be like, "Oh, you cool. you like this movie? Let yeah. me give I have a graphic novel you should check out." Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's like, how you do it. Right. That's what people yeah. wonder why their scenes are so small. They're like, "Nobody's into punk rock or nobody's into comic books." It's like cuz you're all dicks. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, you my, my favorite is when you see a bunch of 18-year-olds that are like halfway into what you like don't be a dick be like let me show you some cool shit right today like, you get to learn something yeah i swear like, to god I if a teenage kid tells me he likes that tv show preacher i'm gonna give him all nine graphic novels i'm gonna go right. stay right here at this grocery store i'm gonna go get <laughs> yeah. you a stack of books hold on i love you i'll yeah. be right back <laughs> like yeah. my favorite is always like how come no girls like it it's like well the last five who said they liked it you gave a pop quiz to like what do you expect yeah. <laughs> like yeah so okay so what what caused it to crash and burn in the late 80s was that just the influence of metal and hip-hop taking taking like sucking out all the wind i think also prosperity somewhat okay the late 80s kind of i think we kind of came out of some of the Mm -hmm. some of the worst early effects of reaganomics yeah and saw some Mm -hmm. of the prosperity politics we came into and i want to say clinton but i think that was 90s yeah, but, um, Clinton's ninety-two. But... We kind of saw the rise of like that whole prosperity ec- economic policy mm-hmm. that I think kind of when people are happy, there's less punk rock. 
And I think like from 1988 to maybe 1992, like that four or five year block, people were generally just like, these are pretty cool. The Bush we, years. It was easy yeah. to ignore racism. Right. Yeah. And, you know, white people were, we all the white people could get jobs and afford their rent. And yeah. Like that brief period, you know, the shithole of the 70s ended, the 80s sucked, but things were getting better. Mm hmm. And the early 90s were arguably the most prosperous time for working class white people in American history. Very true. Mid early 90s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we've, we've done a number of episodes on uh, uh, things that touch on on stuff like that, because with that prosperity comes the need for culture war, for the mm -hmm. right to have any say whatsoever. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the economy, stupid, you know, because you had the Clintonian and the the Tony Blair kind of like you know centrist liberals who are like no 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 white people you got it we're gonna just beat up on black people from time to time and yeah. by and large just stay quiet they're yeah. tough we've yeah. made them tough they yeah. can take it <laughs> right you know <laughs> yeah but okay so so it's not so it's it's the prosperity it's not so much the musical influences sucking the air out of the middle i i think okay. i think i think discontent breeds punk. i think in an ideal world punk rock doesn't exist <laughs> wow i think the discontent okay. of society is a part of what what makes it like the punk is actually australia is experiencing almost a punk renaissance right now really google australian punk you'll find a bunch of artists coming up um amel and the sniffers is a big one right now they just did a u.s tour okay um great band they toured with bob villain which is a group i really love um there's a group called the chats but yeah australia is having a punk renaissance right now that's pretty cool all right. Um, the UK is kind of having a, they have their own grime hip hop scene. Right. You know, okay. That British rap that American people generally hate and think is corny. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's combining with anarcho punk and they're sampling old anarchist punk rock songs. Yeah. And like making political hip hop now. It's pretty cool. Oh, all um, right. But anyway, um, I'm kind of getting into that shit now. It's interesting. It's almost like the new wave of England's version of what's happening to their version of punk rock. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, cool. I noticed I noticed about six, seven years ago that there were a lot more Pakistani uh, children of immigrants, usually born born in the UK, but Pakistani uh, hip hop artists coming out of England. And I was like, well, that's that's interesting because you that's know, a again, hell of a parallel. Yeah, not right? exactly, but it, but it, it's <sighs> it's I'm not going to say it's, it's one there. to one, but it's there. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean. The P word, you don't say that in England. Right. You don't say it. Yeah. So you don't, yeah, you don't shorten that word. <laughs> like it's no, I, I thought the, about I it. I was like, I don't think I'll even say it. I think I'll call it the P word. In yeah. Case, yeah. In yeah. case, in case an English person listens to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're big across the pond. We're, yeah. we're number 111. Uh, I could probably run through the neighborhood yelling it here. Yeah. yeah Everybody'd be um, like, what, what is he talking what, about? What is like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talking about the, the, political aspect of punk makes me wonder about because now i'm trying to remember when when the band really got started but rage against the machine is overtly political their first like, album all the comes time. out in 92 their first major album okay is 92 okay so we haven't quite gotten to their to their arrival well, on the scene but are but they we have we have okay well yeah we kind of have yeah it, i, I feel comfortable saying up. rage against the machine was never considered a punk band yeah um, okay not to say that they weren't taken seriously as a political force in their sure. own okay. kind of way but i think they made no 
qualms about being like a mainstream rock and roll act. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You know, they, they yeah. made no, they, okay. they didn't deny it. They didn't, you know, they, right. they made certain statements against corporations and things like that, but you sure yeah. shit and didn't see them not playing, you know, clear channel radio fest. Or yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. Good point. Whatever company was, I forget what yeah. company was running that in 1994, but okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they were, they I would think, do things I think, that were, I think you'd be pressed to find, you could find some punks who would begrudgingly admit they liked rage against the machine. Okay. <laughs> can you can you unpack cool. that for me? Uh, I don't like like what is it about the punk identity that would keep them from admitting to liking? There's a certain music. There's a certain chip on the shoulder of the punk identity uh, about authenticity. Okay. You know, okay. and if you're making political music for financial gain, then I think you're immediately kind of taken out of you're the suspect. Yeah, yeah okay. you're you're immediately sus in the world of punk rock. Okay. Um, being successful at being yourself, you know, if your punk rock band is wildly offensive and cool and political or whatever, and you just make it as that, mm -hmm. there's no shame in that. But if you're just, if you're a band and your goal is to get famous and make a shitload of money as an icon, mm -hmm. then I, you're immediately removed from the, the, the okay. Parthenon of punk. Okay. Um, I, there's nothing wrong, I think, with being successful, though some would probably argue there is. Yeah, but I think that's just not a very mature. I think they're all they're all fifteen. You know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't understand that you know everyone makes a living, and if you can do it, telling the government to fuck itself in a band, good on you. Yeah, yeah. I there's a, a habit that I have is anytime uh, we there's a, a a group of teachers, um, uh, and I uh, we will on occasion send each other things that are subversive to the district's goals, um. I always make sure we send them intra-district mail so, so, nice. so that nice. the district yeah. is delivering them to us, yeah. uh, so, <laughs> uh, which, which I always like. So, okay. So they, they come back, uh, in, uh, in, in the nineties. Um, now this is kind of alongside the grunge movement then too, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think the revival of punk also came kind of on the heels of the grunge movement. Mm -hmm. But uh, also Nirvana and, and like bands from their area and genre were considered kind of a part of the punk scene, oh. you know, in their time and place. Okay. Um, Nirvana, the Melvins, you know, kind of I from the same name. area and scene. Um, we're all kind of considered punk rock bands by a lot of people. Um, they got labeled grunge by like the media, you know, MTV, mm -hmm. right. and, you know, whoever, who someone uttered that word. Sure um because it was but, uh it was being treated as a reaction to heavy metal i remember people talking about like this is the end of metallica yeah you know for sure uh grunge kind of had one of some similar at least nirvana similar punk ethos that like you know that the flagrant hair and fashion and the look and the extravagance and you know the the groupies and all that was mm -hmm. bullshit you know kurt cobain wanted to make music right mm-hmm and uh yeah. you know nirvana was definitely i don't think purposefully but just by kurt being a, an artist first and foremost was a reaction against hair metal for sure mm -hmm. um i i would consider nirvana a punk band but that's mm. probably a very narrow opinion of that of my own mm -hmm. uh, but i mean there's definitely some nirvana songs that fit the mold sonically sure. and and lyrically they just kind of uh 
obviously they broke out and got huge. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things Kurt definitely struggled with in his own personal life and his corporate his, rock magazine. His identity. Still suck. He didn't, yeah. He didn't like being a, a big rock star, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He had, he had some issues with it morally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I could definitely see them being identified as such like that. That makes yeah a fair amount of sense. Um, you know, just given, given the table that you've laid for us. Okay. So here we are in the early nineties now. Um, it's still, I mean, in England, it's still the John major years, right? So it's still just a fucking continuation of Thatcher stuff, but yeah. And then you've got, you've got bands in the eighties too. Um, that punk also took on more of its metal edge in the UK, mm-hmm. slightly different, but you've got bands like the exploited, um, which were a little more metal and, um, kind of, arguably to this day mm-hmm. associated with fascism in a weird like way like they're they're okay. controversial to this day in the punk scene the band the exploited um because they've been known to like play the same show as a white power band like a big festival or something or um, to be friends with certain people who are questionable sure. but they never really own up to it and a lot of the older punk rockers in the anarchist scene mm-hmm. vouch for them so there's like weird a weird thing of like with that band where There's a lot a of people are like with them. yeah people yeah. are like fuck these guys and some people are like no 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 they're cool right their swing their singer has like a swastika tattoo on his arm but he got it in like 1978 you know back when punk was blah 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 and so there's a lot of controversy around the exploited yeah there's a fair <clears> amount of explanation needed kind of he's also a reputed moron their singer oh okay. watch it watch an interview of wadi buchan from the exploited uh-huh. and you'll be He's so Scottish and drunk that you can't understand 90% of what he says. And 90% is not an exaggeration. You'll watch it and be like, I heard cunt. Uh, <laughs> well, being being Scottish and drunk, that word is inevitable. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Like, you know, literally, it just sounds like it sounds like there's this like fucking enemies for these cunts were like, I mean, they fucking stabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, so we're in the nineties. Punk is coming back. Um, but like you said, it's pop or it's uh crust. Right. Crust kind of the nineties had a revival of the squatting scene mm-hmm. in, in the U S too. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of urban decay in the nineties in like yes, major cities. Mm. So you saw kind of a revival of the anarchist punk scene in the U S because of that. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of disenfranchised, angry youth leaning far left squatting in abandoned buildings right who were able to get a hold of some musical equipment yeah i mean that's how you have bands like nausea is one of the most famous of that era okay because they were like reputedly reputably squatters legitimately through most of their whole musical career produced records um you know participated in social um social justice events and gave Mm -hmm. money to things um and, and stayed homeless even despite making you know a couple thousand from a benefit they'd give all the money you know to the miners or whatever right right and then go back to their hovel and shoot some dope <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, yeah debauchery is unfortunately also tightly linked with the world of punk rock and unfortunately in that it's bad image wise unfortunately in that it's inherently like a zero-sum game by the end it's, it's potential what? limiting okay. for like what i personally think like the punk movement was or could be capable of mm-hmm. um i think a lot of that was potentially limited by unfortunately the the other things that come with being 
poverty and disenfranchised youth is you know drug right. use and escapism right yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense okay so and then green day hits it really fucking big yeah there's and... arguably a big four of pop punk okay um you've got green day mm-hmm. the offspring mm-hmm. no effects mm-hmm. and uh blink 182 all released breakout albums in 1994 i want right. to say yeah okay um yeah. and all those albums got huge at the time, Offspring's album Smash was the most successful, possibly to this day, independent album ever released. Okay. My um, mom liked them. No Effects is up there too. Okay. Um, as one of the most successful, like fully independent bands ever. Um, but those four albums came out the same year. They were all right. pop punk albums, but they they made punk kind of cool again. Sure. You know, if you were a high schooler in the mid nineties, there were punk rockers in your high school again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a guy with a blue mohawk somewhere. And uh, we had cowboys and goths. Okay. It was, I mean, it was Walnut Creek. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I take it back. There was one kid who absolutely, because that was the, the the age of the skull cap hair. And one of them oh, would yeah. do the mohawk out of his skull cap. So, yeah, yeah that was okay. the one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the 90s kind of had a punk revival. And then in reaction to that, I would say, to use a not nice word, the purists, yeah, of punk rock created kind of you know that scene got bigger as well so you had street punk became big mm-hmm. which was sort of a combination of like oi music which is like tough guy street rock and roll from england right and and american punk rock so it was a little more mid-tempo sing-songy okay. chorus of gang vocals it's like we are the punks nobody likes us you know is the sure. chorus to a song or something uh-huh. sure. and uh you know that shit got real big in the 90s and uh yeah, that was it. Like, it was called street punk, and okay. uh, I thought it kind of sucked, honestly. But uh, <laughs> I liked crust punk, but I thought street punk sucked. Uh, okay. But me. So okay, I I sorry to interrupt you, but uh, this oi movement, I think I remember seeing it where kid kids were poging, right? They were jumping and acting like fish. Yeah, pogoing is it's ar- definitely an oi move. Arguably, kind of a, more of a street punk move. There's also there's actually something called pogo punk. Oh, it's oh, kind of more about the tempo of the music, like the beat uh-huh. of it, something you can bounce. Like sure. You can pogo okay. to it. Well, right, right. It's kind of, yeah. it's right. kind of bouncy rock okay. and roll music. Um, is yeah, Oi of... is that kind of at that tempo. You can pogo to Oi music. Okay. And, and is this, this is also contemporaneous with the rave movement, right? At the same time. I mean, yeah, the right. rave movement's pretty old. So, right. Um, arguably. Yeah, um, yeah, but I guess I'm being just... called raves, yeah, it's kind of in a similar yeah. a similar time. People renting yeah. out warehouses, renting out warehouses in Oakland and San Francisco. Yeah, yeah do having illegal drugs parties. You got to meet a guy in a van who will give you the address the day yes. before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had an episode of Nine and Two One Zero about it. So yeah. Yeah. he's fifty five, right? He's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember they had the 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 episode where like the the rich kids in Nine Hundred Two One Zero, so all the kids uh, go to a rave. And like they had to do an exchange, like I have, I want to exchange an egg is you have to tell a guy <laughs> at a, at a liquor store. And of course they go to the wrong fucking place, you know? Just, yeah. Yeah. And then of course it's terrible and somebody slips, you know, the, the main character, uh, Jason Priest's character, like Somali or something. Yeah. Lisa's been revisiting 90210. So I've been uh, by proxy oh. watching some of it. Oh, I'm sorry. And their woke episodes are the worst attempt like if you made their episodes about like wokeness and racism today, people would be like, you're canceled. 
This yeah. is the worst thing. This is the worst attempt. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Most tone deaf shit ever. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that rich black family go? Yeah. Where yeah. where did they go after that episode? Tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, so they did have to move away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I remember Arsenio Hall interviewing Luke Perry. Obviously, he was still alive at the time. Uh, interviewing Luke Perry and asking, like, hey, y'all had a black family. Where, where'd they go? He's like, they're on vacation. <laughs> Which, you know, rich, rich neighborhood that actually works. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I could see, I could see Luke, that very Luke Perry answer to, like, they're on vacation. Like, yeah. Not missing a beat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sarcastic, but you right. can't yeah. tell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, Oi music. Um, you said it's like street tough punk. Like, yeah, that... basically, a lot of skinheads align with the, the Oi music movement. Okay. Um, skinheads are arguably the jocks of the punk world. Um, someone, <laughs> one of them, would punch me in the head for saying that, but what's, what's that proof? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the, you know, well, I'm gonna kick your ass. Okay, then I'll have to say it with a black eye. Like, like <laughs> you're not gonna change my mind because you're stronger or better fighter than me. Like, yeah, you know. So Dude. yeah. Oi kind of introduced that same kind of poverty street culture, but like mm -hmm. the toughness is just machismo. It was macho rock and roll for men, basically. Oh, okay. Um, kind of loosely aligned with punk because it was very antisocial, you know, drinking, fighting, partying, and, you right. know, fuck the coppers. That it was all kind of aligned with that music. So it was punk adjacent. Okay. But also okay. there were there were a lot of a lot of people in the more left, far left side of punk that mm -hmm. did not like Oi music. It had like beef with the, the scene and the whole concept because okay. it was just it was just male machismo and kind of violent and not very know, inclusive. Okay, working class pride to the point of ignorance, you know, hard hat rioters. Yeah, that kind of and like yeah. you know just to the point where you're like you're you're we're we're glad you're working class and you don't take any shit, but you don't have to act like a tough idiot all the time. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was just asking for directions. He did not want to fight. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's going on the mid '90s. So you've got this huge explosion, the Big Four, like you said, um, and yeah. and so they're it's making it big, showing that it's commercially viable, giving people a pathway to getting back into punk when it was almost on its you know on on yeah. its deathbed. That's when you saw Warp Tour coming up, and like their the first couple years nice. of the '90s, like that revival of those four bands put out that record. Warp Tour came up. And Ball all these other bands that too. sounded like them kind of came up under them. Yeah. And you've got, there's, you know, you could probably name a hundred pop punk bands if you sat down with a pencil. Um, we had a pun, uh, a pun uh, topic once on, on Capital Punishment. And uh, I barely hung on. Like I was clearly losing. <laughs> I was going to lose. And then the timer hit. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like I was just reaching into my brain for pop punk. Like and a I lot of it. Yeah. And I don't like much music. So for me to be able to do that, like that was that was something. So, OK, so you got Warp Tour, you got Lollapalooza, you got. um, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like. It it and and then, oh, God damn, you have uh, Woodstock, don't you? Yeah. 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 So yeah. so so because of this, you've got this kind of revival that's mm -hmm. um, based on pop punk. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you know, people found pathways into other you know, more political left-leaning punk that was kind of dead at the time. Okay. And then you got people who got really into that and revived it. And then, and then you get into a whole new movement of, of kind of, that's where crust punk really takes hold mm -hmm. and becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're squatting, they're making music. And then it goes to a whole nother level because the economy goes to shit. All these properties get bought up. 
Right. You can't you can't really even stay in abandoned buildings much anymore in cities. No. Even if you want to. So then you get into what's called folk punk, um, which is a whole new genre where these kids start they start hopping trains and they're playing acoustic instruments. So you find groups of punk rockers on the corner in New Orleans playing a washboard, a stand-up bass made with a barrel and a rubber band, and you know, an acoustic guitar <laughs> that's cobbled together. Um, and that kind of starts a whole new era of like the punk world that began kind of in the mid nineties. That's actually probably a good that's... logical place for us to uh to break off here. If... Just how I yeah. planned it. Well done. Well <laughs> all done. right. Um, I do have a question for you. I hear this phrase all the time. That's so punk rock. What does that mean? <laughs> I think that's just like that. I think that's just uh part of the lexicon. You know, okay. it's just kind of like calling something gangster. Okay. I think, it's, I think it means the same thing. Okay. I think it's just like that's against convention and very cool. Okay. You, know? you succeeded yeah. despite not having. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Authentic. You've done, so, you've done something very authentic, unconventional, possibly wrong, but we're also all very impressed and we like it. <laughs> Like so, that's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The geek history time equivalent of uh, it is that is fucked up, but it's yeah. not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's punk rock, man. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, you and know, what have what have you gleaned from this so far? A, a painting of Margaret Thatcher's brain pan spilled against the pavement. Um, that's punk rock. Yeah, yeah that is. That's that is. It is. Yeah. 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 Deeply, that's fucked up. It might up, be but pretty wrong, wrong, but. It's also right. It's also yeah. right. no. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm o- I'm kind of okay with it. Oddly, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, what I've what I've gleaned, I'm still getting over the fact that the Sex Pistols were a boy band with rabies. Yeah, like that's, that's like, like that's... The, the ongoing thread is lack of convention and kind of being offensive. But yeah, good punks have a reason for it. You know. Yeah. It's not just like yeah. oh that's rude and it smells bad. It's, you know, it's like, oh, that root, that's rude. And it really made me think, though. That's, yeah. I think, where the spirit of good punk lies. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that's yours. Ed? Yeah, that's, that's mine. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm still, I'm, I'm gobsmacked yeah. by that. And I'm not going to stop being yeah. blown you, away. You could probably Google Sex Pistols boy band and find articles with those exact, like, words. Wow. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. Like, tons of, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's think pieces. Sure. I love it. All right. Well, Ed, uh, what are you reading? Uh, I am, uh, first off, uh, still um, taking some of my rereading time to, uh, I I hate saying work on, but that's the verb that comes out, uh, Two Gun Witch by friend of the show, Bishop O'Connell. Okay. Uh, But I also got a recommendation from a coworker, a fellow teacher, A Renegade History of the United States. I have been recommended that as well. Yeah. And, uh, it is, it is a history, um, you know, uh, Howard Zinn wrote a people's history of the United States. Right. Um, Thaddeus Russell, uh, has written, uh, the history of the United States, uh, for the people that historians don't like to talk about. Oh, nice. Um, the so, losers. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, it's not about in the Trump how... sense, but like in the uh, yeah. right, the historical records, but sense. also yeah, in the Trump sense because they tend to pick on yeah. them. Yeah, so. um, but the the drinkers, the sex workers, the people on the fringes of society, uh, who when they win, uh, American history gets better for everybody. Right, everyone but um, Charles Bukowski. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes. 
Um, you know, I can I can actually so, say fuck that guy in the ass and feel okay about saying it, given his yeah. fetishization of sodomy. Yeah, I, re- I respect his work as a look into the mind of a, a shitty old man who's a terrible person, yeah. but I don't respect him as a human being. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a meaningful place to draw the line. I like that. I think I think I can I can respect that. Okay. Um. So yeah, but it's it's like my my uh coworker what what she mentioned was uh talking about uh, interestingly enough for this podcast the city of Philadelphia which has been mm-hmm. important for a lot yeah. of the history we've talked about specifically the ECW uh franchise yeah. which is the punk rock of uh, professional wrestling. Mm, yeah in on multiple levels actually like yeah we're we're yeah so uh, rock is extremely opposed to the new world order so oh so was also ties into wrestling yeah Yeah. they came up with uh, the bwo the blue world order uh, yeah yeah Uh, so anyway yeah i i i recommend that uh highly uh for anybody who's who's so inclined how about you uh, I'm gonna recommend Spider Geddon, Edge of Spider Geddon. Uh, it's uh, it's a collection of Spider Geddon one through four, uh, and Superior Octopus number one. Um, it's a graphic novel about Spider Punk. Uh, so uh, Spider Punk is uh, I think Hobie Brown, Hobby Brown, um, and uh, in his universe, uh, turns out the Spider Geddon didn't fix everything, so he has to go back. Um, and he is a punk rocker. <clears throat> Who is a web warrior? Uh, so right. I believe I've seen fan art of Spider Punk before. Yeah, like yeah. web slinging with a mohawk on his yep. costume type Absolutely. thing. Yeah, he's got nice. uh, uh, like a, a denim jacket with the sleeves cut off. Yeah, denim uh, vest and yeah, he's got the... yeah. So that's that's what I'm going to recommend to folks. All How about right. yourself, Jason? What are you going to recommend for folks? Um, since I was revisiting it today for this mm-hmm. podcast, um, the day the country died, mm-hmm. a history of anarcho punk. 1980 to 1984 okay the heyday of the movement um by ian glasper it's really good um it's basically sectioned off by band and and region and it kind of covers like the politics and how everybody intertwined and the causes and who was who and how it all happened and it's um it's not a it's not a fucking around book no that's that's got quite a history in it there's there's some heft to that yeah and look it's not it's not large print for no. That is glasses <laughs> for this fucking text. book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! I'm over here recommending a, a comic book, uh, <laughs> but there's endless pictures of guys who look like characters in Mad Max in this book, which I enjoy. Oh, naturally. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cool. Oh, you know what? We we haven't done an episode yet on Mad Max. I'm gonna have to look into that. Oh, the, the, the '80s anarchist look was very apocalyptic themed. Yeah, the, okay. the anarcho punk yeah. look, very Mad yeah. Maxy. Well, it's it's yeah. it's inexpensive to achieve both on film and in person. Yeah. So, like, how'd yeah. you get that cool leather jacket like that? Oh, uh, I've had it for forty years. Yeah. <laughs> my my aunt left it out in the rain, and acid rain's a thing now. So, yeah. And it's cold, and I'm yeah. poor. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to patch it, not for style. Uh, Those yeah. are cool ripped jeans. Where can I get some? Well, you can't have mine. They're my only jeans. Right. Like, <laughs> literally the only pants I own. Yeah. I'm I'm lending these to my brother. He's working tomorrow. Thus, like, thus yeah. the thus the authenticity argument comes back into play. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, let's see. Ed, where can uh, people find you if they care to on social? Oh, media? Um, I can be found on uh, TikTok as Mister underscore Blaylock. 
for the time being, I can be found on Twitter as uh, E.H. Blaylock. We collectively are on Twitter as Geek History Time. We are online on the World Wide Web at www.geekhistorytime.com. And of course, you're listening to us. So you have found us either on our website or on uh, Stitcher or the Apple Podcast app. Mm-hmm. I had to think for a second there. It's been a long day. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever you found us, please take a moment to uh, subscribe and give us the five-star rating that you know we deserve. And how about you, Mr. Harmony? Where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Harmony. Um, two H's in the middle. You can also find me. Let's see. Uh, this will come out. I think you're going to be there in time to see the the December 2nd show. Uh, so if you go to mm-hmm. Luna's with 10 bucks and a vaccine card uh, that is properly filled out, uh, you can get in to see Capital Punishment on December 2nd. Uh, and if you miss that one or if this comes out after that, then also January 6th uh, at Luna's. Same thing. Uh, we are going to have a gathering of our own that is going to be far more positive than January 6th has historically been. Uh, so I miss come... Capital Punishment. Oh, God, we miss having you. So let me know if you're ever up in our neck of the woods. So. I had always a good time. Yeah. It's, I uh, threw a match one time, but I did it very gracefully and nobody could tell. That's true. That's true. You just <laughs> thought you were terrible. It was. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. I, I, I was. I had yeah. another show. I, was I like, remember. Right, listen, man, I'm going to throw this thing. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, is there a place anybody uh, who wants to find you can find you? I know that you did an interview um a while back that was pretty compelling i don't know if you wanted that oh, publicized, on but... um oh on that soft white underbelly mm-hmm. channel yeah. um i don't think it's for free on youtube i think he took me and put me on the paid section of his oh, website so you gotcha. can't see that for free now you uh-huh. got to pay like two bucks but it's worth um it. i'm on there on soft white underbelly i have an yeah. interview on his website um dirt the anarchist and uh i'm on instagram as uh dr dirt with a k and doctor um because it wasn't taken yet uh, <laughs> uh, and that's it i don't post a lot i'm going to divorce myself i think from social media soon and move smart to the man. desert so smart man cool well uh jason thank you so much for being here uh we're gonna definitely get you back for another episode because you left us with oh, quite yeah. the cliffhanger there um but thanks for joining us uh and for uh geek history of time i'm damien harmony and i'm ed blaylock and until next time god save the queen <laughs>